You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Many states limit the number of pharmacy technicians permitted to work under the supervision of a licensed pharmacist at any given time. In some states, these requirements have been relaxed in recent years, including as part of the emergency response to our COVID-19 pandemic situation. In pharmacy technician ratio requirements, we understand that the, the, the reasons and the requirements are there for um, for the safety of the public. However, things are changing. Medicine's changing. Pharmacy is changing. And I'm excited to uh, have a special guest today who's going to kind of help us unravel a discussion on pharmacy technician regulations. Dr. James Bro is here, and I'm excited to welcome him to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Uh, James, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. So, this is interesting to me. We have, um, a, most of our listeners are pharmacists, pharmacy owners, but we have a bunch of owner, um, a bunch of uh, listeners that are pharmacy technicians. And I think that this is a very important topic to speak about because the role of the pharmacist is changing and therefore the role of pharmacy technicians, especially those technicians who are very driven about their um, their career in healthcare and in pharmacy. So I want to kind of talk about this pharmacy technician regulation. And I, I think this is going to be more than just one state. I think this is going to, is going to impact us from an, from a national perspective. Before we do, I want to give our listeners some background on you and, and what you've done, what you've studied, uh, as well as um, what you're doing at uh, Mercatus Center, uh, George Mason University, which is really interesting. And by the way, for our listeners, we will have links in the show notes to the article that, um, that James was involved in developing. Um, so James, tell us about your background and, and how you got into uh, touching this, this issue of pharmacy technician ratio requirements. Sure. So my background is I'm an economist by training. So I have a PhD in economics. And my area of expertise is actually regulatory process issues. Um, so I tend to write a lot of research about how states and also the federal government design regulations, how different regulatory agencies analyze their regulations using tools like cost-benefit analysis and how they might improve their procedures for reviewing regulations to make sure they're, they're working and are effective. Um, I took an interest <clears throat> in the topic of pharmacy regulation a couple of years ago because I traveled out to Idaho uh, when they were experiencing a major regulatory reform. This happened in 2019. They actually let their entire administrative code sunset and rewrote it uh, over, the, over the period of a couple months. Um, this was pretty unusual. So I went out there to talk to regulators about why, what was happening uh, on the ground. And in the, in the process, um, I ended up learning about some reforms to the practice of pharmacy that Idaho had, uh, had embarked upon over the previous decade. Idaho is actually one of the most liberal environments in the country uh, for prescribing authority for pharmacists. Um, and so I took an interest in this. I ended up writing a paper about Idaho's pharmacy reforms. 
Um, and then as a result of that, I've just started digging a little more deeply into the regulatory environment surrounding pharmacies in general. And just most recently, I wrote a paper about pharmacy technician regulation. So that's how I got interested in this topic. That's really interesting. You also participated in an article that made the Hill publication and um, a paper that that really kind of talked exactly about this and in your work on Capitol Hill and in governments and helping to develop new policy and President Biden's pharmacy plan um, kind of took action as as COVID kind of has unraveled and really empowering pharmacists and pharmacy in in a multitude of different ways. But can you kind of talk about that article as well? Sure. So uh, one of the themes of, of during the pandemic in general is that there's been a lot of on the fly changes to regulations and requirements of various kinds at the federal and state level happening. Um, in, in October of 2020, so this was still back in the Trump administration, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services issued guidance allowing pharmacy technicians and uh, state authorized pharmacy interns in some cases to issue uh, childhood vaccinations, COVID-19 vaccinations, and COVID-19 tests. And this guidance actually overrode a lot of state requirements, which would have prevented some of those activities in, in more normal times. Um, so what the Biden administration has kept uh, these policies in place and is, is building on them. So um, the Biden administration's vaccination plans have uh, created a, a major role for pharmacies. Uh, in fact, while there have been some uh, mass vaccination sites set up across the country, 20 or so at last count, uh, it turns out that, that the retail pharmacy program that the federal government set up for, for administering vaccinations through pharmacies appears to be having more success. Um, and so they, the Biden administration is doubling down on the number of pharmacies that are participating in this federal pharmacy vaccination program to about 20,000 pharmacies, I think, nationwide. Um, and so my uh, op-ed for The Hill basically argued that it's, it appears that pharmacies are playing a key role in the, in the vaccination effort, that they're gonna play an increasing role, and that there's probably more they could do uh, by allowing uh, technicians to do more of the vaccination. So I'm curious how we come up with some of these policies. I know you said Idaho is is liberal in some of their regulations, but when I think of this, you know, we have 22 states without a ratio requirement, pharmacy technician per pharmacist. Is there any studies that show a danger to the public by having three pharmacy technicians versus 10 pharmacy technicians to one pharmacist. Do you have any information or research you know, backing any of that outcome data? So unfortunately, there's not a lot of evidence either way, uh, just because there's not a lot of research in general and what the effects of this regulation are. Um, I would say I, I did do when I as part of writing my recent paper on this topic, I reviewed the literature I could find, and um, there's very little outcome-based research. So what I would say is that uh, there does appear to be a general trend over the last four, four or five years towards relaxing these 
ratio requirements. So allowing more technicians to work per pharmacist, or even in some cases, eliminating the requirements altogether. And it's not obvious that any negative consequences have happened as a result of that. So there haven't been any um, public health scares as a result of allowing more technicians to work. Um, but in general, it would be helpful if there were just more research in general on these topics, because there's uh, just not a lot of research at the moment. You know, the setting, I think, makes a difference, uh, James. Let's talk about hospital system pharmacies. Let's, let's review community pharmacies. And then inside community pharmacy, we have the community independence. Uh, we also have the national chains. And then between, sometimes we call them micro chains, um, we have the specialty environment, which is a lot more regulated just in general, compounding, uh, geriatric pharmacy that has very specific workflow. So I think, you know, um, having a, a wide uh, brush swathing across, you know, the entire regulatory board that comes out with decisions for ratios between techs and pharmacists is um, ludicrous in my opinion. <laughs> I, and the reason I'm saying that is because it's very different in each of those settings that I just mentioned. Specialty pharmacy, for example, when you're working with cancer medications that require um, specific packaging, specific handling, specific reporting, REMS reporting, uh, as mentioned, and, and follow up with the patient and the expense. And sometimes there's even a ingestible pill capsule that lets the pharmacists and physicians know how fast things are being metabolized. Pharmacy technicians in some of those settings, and especially, for example, have a tremendous amount of responsibility that is overshadowed and oversight uh, by a pharmacist, by an operator, by a policy di director. And also within those policies is, is you know, these establishments of, of certifications and URAC. And so I don't know where this comes from per se other than this the the states which have you know 50 states so 50 boards of pharmacy might have um a thought but i'd like to see data i'd like to see studies done around the 10 20 30 pharmacy technicians per pharmacist for the work that needs to be done anyway and by the way i i think ratios will naturally um garner a ratio balance um, a, a physician in a hospital system probably isn't in charge of a hundred nurses. Um, it probably wouldn't make sense. It'd probably be a, a human resource and, and directive of, of workflow and patient care nightmare. But what are your thoughts on kind of the upper level of technician and pharmacist and then the aspect of the verticals that, that I've mentioned? Sure. So I'm not going to claim that I know what the right ratio it is in every particular context. I mean, in general, I would say we can probably trust pharmacists who are highly trained uh, medical professionals to make these sorts of decisions uh, for themselves in their unique, uh, in their unique uh, context that they're working in. in. As, as you mentioned, there's a variety of different settings that uh, pharmacies operate in and it, they can vary very differently. Uh, depending on the context, um, but I would I would agree with you that in general these requirements tend to be somewhat sweeping, um, 
there, there can be exceptions. So sometimes the ratio is raised for in one context versus another. Uh, but we don't tend to see these same sorts of caps put in place on other uh, healthcare professionals, on physicians, for example. And it hasn't led to a, a, a wild disproportionate number of assistants working with a, a, a physician. So we don't end up with 100 to 1 ratios of physician assistants to physicians because there's no cap. Rather, we tend to see a kind of natural sorting process, like you mentioned. Um, and so in general, my inclination is to say we can probably trust pharmacists to make these decisions unless there's evidence of a widespread problem that suggests, okay, we do need, uh, we do need to regulate this particular aspect of the, of the practice of pharmacy. Um, but uh, I, my inclination is to say um, that regulations in general should probably focus more on specific health and safety uh, aspects of the practice of pharmacy and that these caps, uh, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence for them. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where they initially came from. Mm -hmm. um, it does, sometimes what happens in states, I've seen this in other areas, is just one state starts passing a particular kind of regulation and other states copy them. Um, I don't know if that's what happened here, but sometimes that that's it's as simple as that's the explanation. So in London, in England, um, pharmacists can do a final review check during the workflow of certain prescriptions. So certain disease states, certain medications will in you know will allow a technician um, under the supervision, of course, of a pharmacist to work through that workflow to give their final, um, you know, approval of the prescription. That, in my opinion, is where I would draw the line if I was the czar of all things pharmacy in the United States. I'd be like, whoa, wait a second. Um, uh, I think a pharmacist should be the very, very final check because they can, they can catch things that might not have been caught based on their education. That happens, by the way, all the time in in all of the different settings. So I, I. And kind of where we kicked off in the beginning of our conversation, I want to see pharmacy technicians have an opportunity to grow within their profession, do more, to pick up a lot of the, um, the mundane tasks and slack that is there that a lot of pharmacists are overburdened to do workflow stuff when a pharmacist should be doing things that ensure public safety, number one, such as final checks of a prescription. But then number two, public safety in engaging and talking with patients more about their treatment, about their disease state, about staying adherent on medications, 150 billion to 300 billion range problem per year of non-adherence. And if we had pharmacists in touch more with um with their patients, I, that would be lessened. And I think of that provider status um, from a national perspective that the APHA and the NCPA and the ASHP, all of these national associations that are pushing for a provider status, it's a trickle effect. It's a domino effect that if we can empower pharmacists to do with what they were trained to do, then it's going to impact our pharmacy technicians as well. I agree with you to have ratios uh, pharmacist to technician ratios 
um, be so different from state to state. And then some states have no ratios. It, it just seems like, okay, we need to empower our pharmacists to do what they do. Number one, it's public safety. Number, number one job of a pharmacist is to keep people from being harmed by um, medications. Um, as we know, our, our physicians out there, they're so busy. Sometimes they can't pay attention to the cascade prescribing and, and some of the things that are happening. So there is so much opportunity for pharmacy technicians with the roles that are changing. What states do you think kind of get it right? Um, you know, the, the one side, zero, you know, regulations, the other side, super tight regulations. Have you worked with any of the states that you're like, wow, that the, it, to my, from, from an economist perspective, from a public health perspective, I think that this state's getting it right. Well, so the first thing I'd say is that um, as part of this recent paper I wrote, we just we re just reviewed which what the requirements are for these pharmacy technician ratio regulations across the different states, and so we found a lot of variation, as you mentioned. So, uh, twenty two states had no ratio requirement uh, as of twenty twenty, and that was up from about sixteen in twenty sixteen. So there's kind of movement towards. Um, some states just eliminating these requirements altogether. Uh, but about a third of the states had ratios in the range of one to three or one to four. Um, and then another nine states had ratios of one to two. Um, so there's quite a bit of variation um, across the states. Um, so, I, you know, I don't want to say necessarily that there's one particular ratio that's the right ratio or that this, this state is necessarily the best state on ratio requirements. Right. Um, but I would just say that there's variation and the general trend seems to be towards relaxation of these requirements. And we've also seen a fair amount, amount of that during the pandemic as well. So Montana, for example, is a state that just recently, uh, I guess it was about a month ago at this point, we're talking in mid-May, um, the governor of Montana waived the ratio requirement about a month ago, um, just as an emergency measure. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just, a, a, there have been a number of states in the, in the last year or so to either raise the ratio temporarily as an emergency measure or temporarily waive it altogether. Um, and it seems to just generally be flexibility of this kind is, seems to be helpful during the pandemic. Um, so there's probably lessons that can be learned uh, from that, that maybe these rules should be, if they make sense to waive them during the pandemic, they, maybe they should be reconsidered in general. Yeah, only in your report, I noticed only Tennessee appeared to have made the base ratio requirement uh, stricter, um, allowing a ratio of a one to four as a maximum. Mm -hmm. Is that still the case? Yeah, I think that they... Um, Trying to remember the exact circumstances, but uh, I think it was that they they the there was they made uh, it wasn't an across the board requirement of being made stricter. It was being it was made stricter in a particular context, if I recall correctly. So in general, yeah, there was only one state that may have made it more strict more strict in a particular context, but every other example of a change we found was either eliminating the requirement or making it more flexible. So after this research, what are the key takeaways from this study 
um, that you can share with our listeners? I think the key takeaway uh, is that as added strains um, are, are added to the healthcare system, um, we're probably going to see pharmacies and pharmacists and their support staff take on more responsibility uh, in the future. Um, and that suggests that um, that probably pharmacy technicians in particular are going, are going to take on more responsibilities as part of a broader movement of pharmacists and pharmacies in general providing more healthcare services. Um, we're obviously facing demographic challenges in the year, years ahead as the population gets older, that's gonna mean more, put more strain on the healthcare system. And um, pharmacists are highly trained individuals. They're, they have PhDs in general. Um, they can probably be doing more than they are. And as they take on new responsibilities, their support staff is gonna start filling some of the roles that the, the pharmacists previously had. And so I suspect that we're gonna see more movement in this direction in the years ahead. Well, I'd like to invite you back, um, James, to, to do any follow-up that you have on this specific um, pharmacy industry impacting um, issue and the ratio between pharmacy technicians and pharmacists. However, other issues that Mercatus studies and that you study that touch pharmacy, please bring those back to us. We, we love these conversations and informing our listener base of what's happening in the world, especially from an economics and safety and um, public safety perspective. I think this is this is an, as excellent. And I, I want to thank you for, for sharing uh, your research with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'd love to come back soon and talk about these topics more. Absolutely. We invite you back anytime. James Brawl, Senior Research Fellow of Mercatus. Uh, we, we thank you so much to share your research on pharmacy technician ratio requirements. And to you, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians out there on the front lines, uh, we appreciate you. We applaud you. And to all of our listeners, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. <laughs>